Hi podcast family, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast and the project is to work through the entire Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're very welcome whether you're a regular and someone who's been on this journey for a couple of years now with us or whether you're brand new and this is your very first time connecting with us. And if it is your first time, then why not consider clicking on that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from and make the decision along with thousands of others to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. And if you are here for the first time, then please hang around at the end and I'll tell you lots of ways you can connect with this ministry and other free Bible teaching resources that I make available. So with that all said, All of you, everyone, you're all very welcome, and I'll see you at the back end. Bye for now. Hi friends, welcome back. We're picking up on our second of our two-part series looking at, I've entitled, Responding to the Word, where we see Jesus in Matthew's account explaining, in a sense, what the parable of the sower means. So it's covering the middle section of Matthew chapter 13. And today we're just going to be covering a couple of verses from verses 22 to 24. And we're considering now the third and fourth explanations of the third and fourth possible reactions to the seed of the word being sown by the sower. The first two we looked at yesterday and we're going to look at the next two today. And a third of these four possible reactions is revealed in verse 22 where it tells us, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Now, as I said before, this is an example of the seed falling amongst the thorns and the thistles, which grow up and choke out the word. Again, the question many asked is, are these people, these individuals mentioned and being discussed here, are they actually saved in the sense, have they responded in a way that means in terms of their eternal soul, they are right with God? And the answer, I believe, is the same as the last time, and it is yes, because it says they received the word. But then it says they became unfruitful, which implies that some had limited fruit to begin with. But the conclusive proof to me is only found if you reach across and look into Luke's version of this passage, because in chapter 8, verse 14, he says this, Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they hear, have heard, but go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. So the problem is not that they didn't initially respond to the gospel. The problem is that they didn't go on to develop spiritual maturity. And that's a very different thing. Matthew said when they hear the word, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches cried in alongside all kinds of other things. In other words, they receive the word, they take it on board, but at such a level that they leave no room for God to allow him or his teaching to take root in their lives and grow in their hearts. 
in the second type of soil that we looked at last time, it was external tribulation and persecution that pushed in and pulled people away from God. But in this case, in this third type of soil, it is the internal cares and riches and the desire for the pleasures of the world that are pressing in. What doesn't really come across in this particular translation I've chosen is the fact that these people are said to be worried about these things of the world. So it's not just a carnal seduction, if you like, that's going on here. The words also suggest that they are, in a sense, anxious and worried about these worldly cares. In fact, it's the same word that Jesus used earlier in Matthew chapter 6 in his Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus told the listeners and said, Do not worry about worldly things. Now, in the parable of the sower, these people are, in a sense, worrying about the cares of the world. So they're not even bringing them peace. They're becoming anxious and concerned about all these matters of life, which means that they have no time for God or his word. Now Luke included worldly pleasures in his list, but Matthew left that out. And he focuses on the deceitfulness of riches as the particular thing that grabs his attention. And he's saying the attention of immature believers. So rather than focus on the word of God, the seed once it has been sown and planted, these people continue to focus on the material things. Their concerns and their care and their focus is on things like money and position in society, and that destroys their spiritual life. The weeds, in a sense, these weeds of this way of thinking, do not give God's truth the space to grow. This group of people give more time and space to worrying about getting rich and having fun than with the word of God and what it might teach them. They are more concerned about the world than they are about the word. They are deceived by wealth. They think money is where it's at, and to make matters worse, they think that money will solve their problems. They think that money will make them happy, and if they have money, they will be self-sufficient, self-confident, and self-assured. But of course, it does none of those things, and in fact, they just end up worrying about those things. Now, it is true today that in our Western cultures, money is often at the centre of most people's lives. But people who think this way are the very people who will not make it to spiritual maturity. They'll get caught up in the cares and concerns of the material world. Okay, there's one more type of soil to stop discussed here. One more type of person. Let's hear the final verse. But he who received seed on the, in the good ground is the one who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred times, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. So finally, we get to the good ground, and it's fairly straightforward. It's good soil. In other words, there's no rocks in it or hiding just below the surface. There's no weeds and roots that can find their way into the soil and stifle germination and freeze the ability to produce a firm, fruitful plant. This is, by definition, is a good soil because it produces good fruit. Now, if you take the word fruit and start reading around Bible commentaries, you'll discover that fruit, when mentioned in the Bible, can mean different things. And maybe all of them apply here. In Galatians chapter 5, fruit is presented as representing the blessings that arise out of an expression of the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit, we are told, produces love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering and self-control. And also in chapter 1 of the very same book, fruit is seen as the good works of the believer. For example, showing compassion to someone or helping other people is described as good fruit. In Romans chapter 1, it is the preaching of the gospel and seeing other people come to no one except Christ that is described as being the fruit of the gospel. But let me make a practical suggestion to you. Bible experts all agree that what Jesus is talking about in this passage is that the response to the word of God is the result of what is the condition of the heart. May I repeat this because it's very important. The response that people have to the word of God is and always will be a result of what is in their very own hearts. We've seen that some reject outright and Satan gets involved right away. But remember that the heart was hard before Satan even needed to step in and sweep away the seeds before they could germinate. Some others fall away when they encounter external trials and tribulations and persecutions. The problem for these people is a shallow, superficial heart. Some never make it to spiritual maturity because they get caught up with the cares and concerns of the world. For some, the problem is seeking pleasure or seeking money. But is the problem actually the pleasure and the thing itself? Is the problem the money itself? No, the problem is the posture of the heart. The problem is always the posture of the heart of those who are receiving the message. The desire of the heart can be too crowded out with other stuff to make room for God's word to germinate and grow. So there is the hard heart, there is the shallow heart, and there is, if you like, the crowded heart. The heart that is full, like the soil, with weeds and destructive interests. But what we need, what this passage says we need to have, is what's called a good heart. And the good heart is the one that produces fruit. But even then, not everybody is producing as much fruit as they should. Because it says some 30, some 60 and some 100 fold. In this passage all the enemies of the wisdom of God are represented here and reflected in this passage. All those things that will, will not only block the word in the first place but will choke it out even if we receive it are mentioned here. Things like tribulation, persecution, pursuing pleasures of the flesh, focusing on wealth or focusing on power. It's all here. So how are we going to be sure that we nurture and maintain the good heart, the heart that's mentioned in the final verse? How do we keep the soil of our hearts fertile in order that it can produce good fruit? Well, number one, the first thing, the prerequisite to it, if you like, is we need to be in a position to hear the word of God. If you look at this passage, in every case, they heard the word, and some outright rejected it. It never broke in. Some heard it, but their lives were, were in a situation where the ground was not receptive. Others, some heard it from standing in stony ground, and still others heard it from the thorny ground. Some people don't hear the word of God at all because they're so busy thinking about their own lives, they've actually stopped listening. So even when wisdom pushes in, their minds can wander. We can all be guilty, but we can, we can all be so caught up with all the things of the world that it chokes out the word of God and we don't really hear it.
But if you're going to have any hope of producing fruit, if you're going to have any hope of letting the seed of wisdom of the word of God germinate in your mind and in your life, you've got to first of all hear the word of God and hear that what it is saying might apply to you personally. So how do we maintain a good heart and keep the soil fertile to produce good fruit? The prerequisite is to be in a position where we are listening, which is why in verse 23 it says, you must first hear the word, but secondly, you must understand the word. I don't know if you remember, when we got to chapter 11 of Matthew's gospel, I pointed out that Jesus said, I thank God that you don't reveal all of this to just the wise. Meaning that those who were clever in worldly terms were very often the very people who don't hear and receive the message. Here the message is the, is the important thing because chapter 11 tells us that God reveals his truth to those primarily with a humble heart. So if we really want to produce fruit, then in order to hear, you've got to get rid of pride. You've got to get rid of, yes, the worries of the world. You've got to get over just living for material things. And you've got to say, I'm going not going to be stopped by the trials and tribulations. Yes, all that's true. But most importantly, you've got to press in hard and try and understand what the Word of God is saying. But in order to do that, we don't need great education or great worldly wisdom. This tells us that above and beyond all things, we just have to have the right attitude and approach the Word approach the message, receive the message with a degree of humility. I think bound up in this passage is the fact that we need to go before God ultimately with a humble spirit. Too many Christians today are caught up with the world and, seek, and, and too many are even seeking recognition, even in their Christian life and ministry. Too many people are seeking recognition on being successful and not focusing enough on the word. You see, a humble heart by nature focuses on the word of God and eliminates us from going down these, uh, these blind alleyways, so to speak. A humble heart focuses on the word of God and eliminates the risks of being entangled in these other ways. But there's one more thing he says in this passage, and that people should be rooted in good soil in order to produce fruit. Now in John chapter 15, Jesus actually told us that he is the vine and we are the branches. Now I would go as far as to say this whole passage here in Matthew is explained best for us in another passage that deals with the same issue in a different way, which is John chapter 15. So I'll quote it first, what he says, before I just use it as my final illustration. In it, Jesus is heard to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them in and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will then you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, and that you may bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. So very simply what Jesus is saying here is what we have to do. We first of all have to hear the word of God and we have to understand the word of God. 
And we can only do that, he's been telling us, by having the right attitude of heart before God, because then the Spirit of God can begin the process of illuminating our hearts. If you pray from the depths of your heart and you ask God sincerely to open your eyes, then it tells us he will reveal wonderful things out of his law and he'll transfer the things of the law and make them grace unto you. By abiding in the word, which is the phrase in John's gospel here, it means and it has a very large element of living in obedience to it. But beyond abiding in the word, it says we are to abide in him. I think the whole spiritual Christian worldview can be summed up in nothing more than understanding that the word of God is having the humility to allow the word of God to tell you what to do, because then the spirit of God will give you the power to do it. By meditating on it in your mind, you will begin to see things the way God sees things and think the way God thinks. But you've got to hear it before you can understand it. And hearing is the part where it's an act of free will and you've got to have your heart prepared, the soil prepared, the ground prepared in order to hear it. But understanding on it, thankfully, is a work of the Holy Spirit and that power and insight is available to anyone who approaches it with a humble attitude of heart. And that is what I believe it means to truly abide in Christ. In my estimation, abiding in Christ is nothing more than being obedient to and being dependent upon the Lord. And I want to charge every one of us who's listening to this today to take on board what I believe Jesus is saying here. If you've not received the word, or if you're not growing spiritually, if you're not growing in your Christian faith, it will be because you are not doing what this passage is saying you should be doing. Are you hard-hearted or are the external pressures of the world holding you back or have you turned your attention to other things than meditating on what God might want of you in your life? Well, friends, the root out of this, the only root out of this, out of it is for us all to soften our hearts, to make our hearts more pliable in, a, in God's hands in a sense so that we by his power can produce the type of fruit that's mentioned here that will bring honour and glory to him. Okay, my pod friends, that's it for today. I do hope you found that helpful. What an amazing time it is that we can, in this day and age, in this technology, that we can wrestle together, struggle together with the Word of God, approach it with a sense of humility in order that God himself can not only teach us and give us insight, but empower us to obey it and live a life that produces fruit for him. Isn't that an amazing thing? And I do hope that you finding this Our Time Together helpful. And if you are finding it helpful, well, I would in all humility ask you to consider liking or sharing it 
or posting a link to this podcast so that other people may be given the opportunity to make the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives so that their lives might also be transformed by the study of this amazing word. Now, as I said at the beginning, if you're not familiar, the podcast is hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. Monday to Friday, 20 minutes every day, working through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now, if you've arrived for the first time, you have several options. Just carry on from where you were, or you could consider going right back to the beginning and at your own pace, just working through what will, I believe, will be approximately a 10-year process if God grants me that time to work through the entire Bible. Or if you just want to carry on from where you are, that's fine as well. Or the other option is maybe consider going back about three months to the beginning of Matthew and picking up from there. Whatever way, whatever suits you is fine by me and I'm sure fine by the Lord as well. But I do hope you find it helpful. Now, as I say, it's posted on the thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and also there is a compilation episode put on a few, a couple of month, uh, months behind on the Living in Faith Everyday podcast. And that's put there, a longer compilation episode, which is only put there for 90 days. And now it just enables people who maybe want to catch up quickly or who have missed a week or so to bob in there and do that there. But the main way to ensure you never miss another episode is to click the subscribe button to wherever you're getting your podcasts from. You should also find links there to other ways you can connect with the ministry, even support it if you wish, through places like Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn and Patreon. LinkedIn and Patreon tends to be the place where I put the more formal, structured discipleship courses and also some unusual bonus episodes when I maybe have recordings of speaking engagements in non-Christian environments where I've gone in and tried to find an intersection point and explain why the Bible and the teaching of the Bible can be relevant in secular people's interests. Intersection points, points of contact where I can bring the message of the Bible and the gospel into people's secular interests. So that tends to be what I I do over there. Having said all that, we'll leave it there, I think, for today. So friends, thank you again for being with me and I do hope that I will see you back here. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it is for me, you listen to your next episode of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.